Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. firing missiles, rockets and missiles from civilian areas here no, in Gaza this at, is, at, at civilians in Israel. That, that's not acceptable, is it? That's a war crime. No single rockets were, were sent from, for, for, from, the, from a civilian area. We, most of the, the rockets from the border. That's not true, though, is it? Because we've this seen, is a we, we've this seen is video of rockets being fired from within the, the built-up area of Gaza City this is not, at Israeli communities. This is not against Israeli community. This is against Israeli occupation. This is against agri- Israeli aggression. This is a message to all the activists and leaders out there that are condemning anti-Semitism and condemning terrorism right now. Stop it. Stop. You are not helping. All right. You are playing their games. It's a distraction. We've been condemning anti-Semitism for 20, 30, 40 years. If they didn't believe us by now, stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. It doesn't help. Today they took out an ad in the New York Times saying that Gigi and Bella Hadid are in favor of a second Holocaust. Stop it. They're playing games. Don't condemn shit. We have a cross-sectional, intersectional movement that is winning, and they are scared, and they are freaking out. So they're trying to distract you all. Stop it. Stop it. Stay focused. Stay free, free Palestine, and nothing else. I love you all. I'm proud of you all. We're winning. Stay focused, and I'll see you soon. 
يا حبيبي انا بقدرش اطلع كل الناس هذول من انا بدي اقل شيء ساعتين على ما كلهم يطلعوا يا يا اخوي يا اخوي لو ما لو ما بتطلع انا بتوخ انت تطخ انت تطخ اللي بدك اياه تسويه اللي بتنزل ارض بتتلقاه لا اخوي اخوي لازم الواحد لازم يعمل كل شيء منشان ما تموت احنا بدنا عندك عندك مسؤوليه عندك مسؤوليه على الاطفال بدنا نموت كل الاطفال لازم يموتوا لا لا سمح الله لا سمح الله بدك تستشهد عشان تبين بشعتكم Hamas's military wing, unseen throughout the conflict, down in tunnels firing rockets, has emerged from hiding to show it has not been destroyed. As the militants paraded through the streets, Gazans looked on with overwhelming support. Hamas is seeing a wave of popularity after this latest round of violence, presenting itself as the sole defenders of the Palestinian people, the only ones willing and able to stand up to Israel. Uh, I think what we're talking about has to be seen in real terms as war crimes, as one of your reporters mentioned. It's not just targeting civilians. It's indiscriminate use of violence against civilians. And being blamed uh, for war crimes for defending themselves against war criminals. It's simply as that. And they're, they're looking at what's happening to Israel's image in the foreign press and saying, well, if we're getting blamed like this, if we're getting tarnished and, and, and libeled like this, well, we might as well just keep fighting. Well, Ambassador Oren, I, I don't think you or I can say who the casualties are, but the people on the ground say that the casualties are women and children. Finally, I want to note that yesterday I had the honor of signing the law, the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, to help Americans of Asian descent from having to live in fear just walking down the streets of the United States. Quite frankly, I've been ashamed, ashamed at the way some Americans have responded. All righty, so I want to begin today with a simple fact. I wear a yarmulke. I've worn a yarmulke since basically I'm old enough to remember. And there are a lot of folks who ask me why I wore a yarmulke or why I didn't take off the yarmulke as I grew in my career. And the answer is because this is who I am and this is what I do. It never occurred to me to take off the yarmulke. And I've seen over the course of the last week or so this increase in anti-Semitic attacks. I know a rabbi who over the weekend explained that he was at a supermarket And a man walked up to him and to his son wearing a Hamas headband and started cursing him, cursing the Jews. And so a lot of people ask why I wear a yarmulke. I don't talk about this frequently. The reason I'm talking about it now is because I think it's really, really important to understand why Jews wear a yarmulke. The reason that Jews wear a yarmulke and make ourselves identifiable. Right? Theoretically, we could hide, although historically that has not been a winning strategy for Jews. The reason I wear a yarmulke is for two reasons. One, there's a religious reason. Going all the way back to the Talmud, Jews have worn yarmulkes. They've covered their heads out of submission to God and as a reminder that God is above us at all times. And the second reason is because, no, I'm not going anywhere. And anybody who has a problem with it can write off. Okay, the simple fact of the matter is that I believe in the promises that were made by God in the Bible. I believe in those promises. I believe Isaiah, when he says, Isaiah 8.10, I believe that when, when Isaiah says, plan your plan, speak your words, it will come to nothing, for God is with us. I believe that because I believe in biblical values. I believe in the first book of Samuel, where Samuel says, and the eternal of Israel, the eternal God of Israel, is no lie. And that means the eternity of the Bible and biblical values, those are no lie either. I wear a yarmulke because I am proudly a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
and Moses and David. I am of their people. I am of their ideals and of their values. And if you have a problem with it, not only do you have a problem with Jews, you have a problem with the entire Judeo-Christian line of values. I wear this yarmulke because I am proud of that identity. And you know what? I'm proud that the state of Israel exists as well. I am proud that there is a state of Israel, a state that is a repository for Jewish values. I am proud that there are Jews out there carrying guns in defense of Jews because for thousands of years, that was not the case. I am proud, as all civilized Western people should be, that there is a state in the Middle East that stands for the reality, not only of strong Jews, but stands for a democratic truth, stands for a democratic state. And you've heard that Israel is some sort of apartheid state. Let me give you a quick stat, okay? Here is the number of Jews in Israel right now, 1.9 million Arabs in the Jewish state of Israel. Hey, there are 9 million people total in the state of Israel, 1.9 million Arabs. You know how many Jews there are in all of these so-called non-apartheid states surrounding Israel? There are a grand total of 10 Jews in Egypt, population 100 million. There are zero Jews in Jordan, population 10 million. Zero Jews in Saudi Arabia, population 34 million. 100 Jews in Lebanon, population 7 million. Zero Jews in Syria, population 17 million. Four Jews in Iraq, population 39 million. 8,300 Jews in Iran, population 83 million. How many Jews are there living under the wonderful auspices of the Palestinian Authority? Population 2.7 million? Zero. How many are living under the tender mercies of the terrorist group Hamas in the Gaza Strip? Zero. There are 2 million people who live under Hamas. In Israel, 20% of the population is Arab. Minimum and rising. And that is because Israel is tolerant and Israel is democratic. And I am proud of that as a Westerner. I am proud of the fact that Israel is humane. In the middle of wars, Israel is attempting to minimize civilian casualties of a population that supported Hamas by poll statistics. That Israel is attempting to avoid killing civilians. Meanwhile, its enemies are attempting to shield their own weapons with civilians. I am proud of the fact that Israel carries out its values in war and in peace. And I'm proud of the fact that Israel is in fact in an outlying area of Western democracy, not because it is some sort of colonialist outpost, but because the Jews never left and because the root of the West remains through that Judeo-Christian line. I am proud of all those things. And because I'm proud of all those things, as an American and as a Jew, I wear this yarmulke. And if you have a problem with this, you can right off. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast, 25th of May, year of our Lord, 2021. First to start before I get into the show, if I keep looking this way, I change the whole setup and I got to get used to front and center camera. I keep fucking this up. So if you see it, that's the reason we, we upgraded the computer with the hard drive and got a real tripod and it's throwing me off. But that intro, um, you know, I got, I literally got emotional, um, Listening to that yesterday, went on post, and we're still playing reindeer games with the military hospital, still like it's an uh, outbreak and you can't get in. And so I'm driving my wife to all these appointments because she has, you know, a bad knee and she can't walk a half mile uh, from the parking space to the hospital. And they don't have the doors open. You have to go in a certain way because we're still playing COVID, which we'll, we'll get to that today. And I'm listening to him talk and thinking, you know, after 9-11, all we heard was uh, there's anti-Islamophobia and, you know, there's Islamophobia everywhere and people getting beat and 
blue cities and la-da-da-da-da. It took a very long time for anybody to literally address this. So I flipped the show and put it up front because this is this is who's pushing it. That party. And in, and in everything we do, there's no facts related. It's not true. I mean, for Christ's sake, everybody here lives or in your media lives in New York or Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, where all this violence is happening. And, you know, Shapiro went on. It's worse than you think. Or that Israel itself ought to be treated as a second-class country. I wear the yarmulke because I stand against all of that. And I know that there are tons of people who are not Jewish, who believe the same things that I do. And I'm so grateful for that. I get your notes. I get your letters of support. I get that the vast majority of Americans understand the truth, not only with regard to the Israel-Arab conflict, which of course is a foreign conflict, but also they understand the underlying truth about the nature of Jews living in the United States and the reality of Jewish values. And I say all of this to say that if people fail to recognize these basic truths, that Judeo-Christian values undergird American values and Western values and the liberties that we all enjoy, if people fail to recognize the basic decency of one state attempting to minimize civilian casualties while another terrorist group attempts to wipe every Jew it can off the planet, that if people fail to recognize this, and if they in fact forward this agenda, and if they cheer that agenda, they are complicit in the anti-Semitic attacks that we have seen over the course of these weekends. I'm not saying they're responsible for those attacks unless they openly call for them because they have a very strict standard when it comes to quote-unquote incitement. But you have raised the temperature. You have made it more comfortable. And that is what I am seeing. Okay, I have close relatives who live in New Jersey. People in Jews in New Jersey were told over the course of this weekend that they were supposed to stay in their homes over Sabbath. That is un-American. I have a lot of friends in New York who are walking around in groups because they are afraid to walk around alone in the city of New York in the United States. These attacks are not fake. These attacks are not rare. Jews historically in the United States have been the number one target of hate crimes in the United States, but that's constantly forgotten because of course we now live in a world in which victimization can be linked to your historical dispossession so long as your group is not well-educated and wealthy. In the same way that anti-Asian sentiment went completely by the wayside for years because Asian Americans tend to be well-educated and wealthy, anti-Semitism has gone by the wayside unless it's a convenient club with which to beat people on the right. The reality today is that institutionalized anti-Semitism lives on the American left. The truth is that the spate of anti-Semitic attacks that we've seen over the course of the last week is not coming from white supremacists. White supremacists are scary enough. Believe me, I've spoken up about them. Just a couple of years ago, the FBI arrested a white supremacist attempting to threaten and hurt my family. But the threat that we have seen over the last week, people in the streets going around attempting to beat Jews, that is not coming from white supremacists, that is coming from a a radical, a radicalized Islamic population backed by the American left in many ways. So let's get into what exactly happened over the weekend. So over the course of the last week, several Jews in New York have been beaten up by Palestinian mobs. Here is one Jew talking about that experience over the course of the last week walking on the way, had my yarmulke on, my kippah, and around 48th Street, 
at the corner of my eye, I see someone chasing me. Before I could even react, I was surrounded by a, a whole group of, uh, you know, individuals who then proceeded to, you know, kick me, punch me, hit me with crutches, beat me with like flagpoles. I've seen videos in LA, I've seen videos in London, and you think it can happen anywhere. But, you know, when it actually happens, like personally, even more so than to someone you know, it's really just like shakes your world up a little bit, to be honest. I mean, it's it's incredible. And, and let me just point out something. He says, you know, I was just wearing a yarmulke. And people identified me as Zionist and as pro-Israel because I was wearing a yarmulke. Okay, number one, there are some Jews who are not, but put that aside. The reality is that in the United States of America, if you're wearing a, a yarmulke or if you're wearing a, sh a shirt that says, I stand with Israel, that doesn't mean that there's now an excuse to beat the hell out of you. If you were wearing a shirt that says, I support Palestine, you don't have a right in the United States to beat somebody up or be beaten up. This is insane. But there is this feeling out there that has become quite predominant on the radical left that if you support Israel in any way, shape or form, that you deserve to have this done to you. It's it's sick. It is a sickness. According to Fox News, NYPD Hate Crimes Division said Saturday it's investigating two more incidents targeting Jewish people in New York City that appears to be prompted by the recent Israel-Palestinian conflict. By the way, quick note, I checked the New York Times webpage last night. I checked their whole page. No mention of any of this. The Washington Post did have a story on it. That is their first story, I believe, in a week. The New York Times had nothing as of last night. Two Jewish teenagers were reportedly surrounded by an angry mob with baseball bats around 6 or 7 p.m. Saturday on Ocean Parkway and 18th Avenue in Brooklyn. The crowd demanded that the teens chant free Palestine before beating them because nothing says there's no need for a Jewish state anymore. Quite like beating up random Jews in the streets. Makes perfect sense. The same people who are saying if there were no Israel, there would be no anti-Semitism are literally beating up Jews in the streets. I don't believe you. I think you are lying. I think you just hate Jews. Okay, so... All of that is happening in New York. Also, New York having some of the world's worst criminal law enforcement at this point. They have now released a man who beat up a Jew in Midtown Manhattan. According to the Post Millennial, a man arrested in connection to the beating of a Jewish man in Midtown Manhattan was released on bail Thursday, telling prosecutors on Sunday he would do it again. He said openly he would do it again. He was released on bail because this is New York now. Wasim Awadeh, 23, was held on $10,000 bail after being accused of beating Joseph Borgen with crutches, as well as punching, kicking, and pepper spraying the man. That was the first person we quoted today. Awadeh, according to a special pro at a prosecutor at his Sunday arraignment in Manhattan, reportedly told one of his jailers, if I could do it again, I would do it again. By the way, when he was, when he was arrested, he was wearing a shirt that just it said Free Palestine. It was the entire map of Israel. Because when people say Free Palestine, understand, they don't mean the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. They don't mean Judea and Samaria and the Gaza Strip. They mean all of it. Prosecutors say the attack on Borgen, who was walking near Broadway and West 49th Street on his way to a pro-Israel demonstration in Midtown, was unprovoked. By the way, Broadway and West 49th Street is not a bad area of New York. I know they're now all bad areas of New York, but this is like right near Times Square. Friends of Wada told the New York Post he was the one that was attacked first. They picked somebody that was weak, that was on crutches. One stated, uh-huh. He, he, sure, he said he would do it again. I'm sure that's right. Mm-hmm. Awada is facing charges of assault as a hate crime, gang assault, menacing, aggravated harassment as a hate crime, and criminal possession of a weapon, uh, say the police. Borgen was walking down the street sporting a kippah when a man started running at me, running at him. He said, I turned around to try to figure out what was going on. The next thing I knew, I was surrounded by a whole crowd of people who proceeded to physically attack me. And he has a concussion, by the way. So really solid stuff happening in New York. Speaking of which, 
Luca Robert Davis, a 20-year-old rookie goalie for the New York Red Bulls Major League Soccer team, said on Thursday night in New York City he was accosted by a group of six to eight Palestinian men who accosted him and asked him if he was Jewish as they brandished knives, according to the Daily Wire. Lewis wrote that when he said he was not Jewish, one of the men said, good. But when Lewis prompted, what if I was Jewish? The man got in his face saying, I'd beat the effing bleep out of you and kill you. This is what he wrote on Instagram. Again, wonderful things happening in New York, but it's not just in New York. An armed citizen had to intervene in Miami, according to Breitbart and Fox News. On May 21st, Fox News reported that Eric Organ and his family were walking down the sidewalk in the Ball Harbor neighborhood, which is a heavily Jewish neighborhood of Miami, when a group of men allegedly pulled up in a vehicle and started shouting and throwing garbage at them. Organ told CBS 12 that the men in the vehicle also allegedly screamed, free Palestine, die Jew, F you Jew, I'm going to rape your wife. An armed citizen in another vehicle saw what was happening and then intervened. So thank God, this is Florida. So there are actual consequences to this sort of stuff. Oregon says the guy in the car behind them saw everything go on. I saw him pull a gun and get in between. I mean, he was almost there as our guardian angel just protecting us. I think once they saw him, they just took off. By the way, it is worthwhile noting, I'm in South Florida. What's happening, these pro-Palestinian crowds, these demonstrators who are running around chanting anti-Semitic slogans, they're going specifically to Jewish areas. They're not going to legislative areas and talking to legislators. They're going to the most Jewish areas they can find in South Florida in an attempt to intimidate. Carrying around pure anti-Semitic hate slogans in many cases. So that's if you're running around Jewish areas carrying around anti-Semitic hate slogans, basically you're the Nazis walking through Skokie. I know it's a half an hour of the show now that I've given to another podcaster. But they knew people were told not to leave their house. It's quite obvious. The only time we care about anti-Semitism or any kind of violence is when we can use it against conservatives. That That's when we care. I mean, that's the only time we care. Sorry, my thing froze up. We, we don't care any other time. It doesn't really apply. We need not speak of it ever. And then when he brings out facts like this, I mean, you'll never hear that in the media. It, it isn't Israel that, which by the way, I bought a, I stand with Israel shirt over this. This shit's fucking out of control. Israel allows Arabs and you, you can't, no, there's no Jews anywhere else. And this directly comes from the left. I mean, I, I got a message on my, my website from somebody who listened to the show, and, and I want to address it up front. This is the story about the AP in 2014 censoring. And, and this, I didn't make it up. It's it's true. The AP staff at Gaza City would witness a rocket launch right beside their office endangering reporters and other civilians nearby, and the AP wouldn't report it. Not even AP articles about Israel claiming that Hamas was launching rockets from residential areas. This happened. Hamas fighters would burst into um, Ali Gaza's bureau and threaten the staff, and the AP wouldn't report it. Guilford, the AP spokesman, confirmed that armed militants entered the AP Gaza office in the early days of the war to complain about a photo showing the location of the rocket launch. I mean, it goes on to literally say that they... They were, were censoring casualties. And you heard it in the Andrea Mitchell. It's right there. She doesn't want to admit it. She doesn't want to admit that 
the casualties aren't from all from Israeli airstrikes. The majority are from the Hamas themselves. Hamas is doing it. But our media is so complicit. They, they are so wrong. This wasn't even reported. And it ties together. It's the same thing. It all goes together. Leaked State Department memo indicates official support for BLM agenda. On this, they are told to use the, the verbiage, fly BLM flags from our embassies, participate in related activities, diplomatic engagement, guidance on Black Lives Matter displays, actions requested. We are supposed to all in on a Marxist group that burned our country down. That's that's what we're supposed to do now. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll get right on that. That sounds fantastic. That just that just sounds fantastic. You know, this is actually a very and I'm going to blow it up so you can read it. This is pretty much what we're living with before we even go any further. The three stages of truth. The first stage is ridicule. When a new idea or concept is brought up, it's so strange, it's completely absurd. People cannot fathom this idea and how it fits into their lives. Opposition is the second stage. After a new concept hasn't made it past the first stage, people get to worry that it's here to stay and a few might support the concept, but most will resist. And then the third stage is self-evident. There's an increasing evidence that supports the idea, which goes from having a few early supporters to entering a mainstream. A majority of people support the facts and come to accept it as a given. From COVID to crime, this is what our media does. But they're doing it from the other side. They believe if they can keep repeating Israel's the bad people, and there is no violence in the street. There's no violence in the street? What the fuck are you talking about? There's no fucking violence. Why do you keep saying that? Why? The people aren't going to believe their eyes. They're not going to remember that BLM destroyed cities and a couple hundred protesters trespassed. And if you believe that, well, then you're just a fucking goddamn racist, of course. So as this stuff went viral all over the place, I played a just a smidgen. I'm doing the tip now. Biden finally says something. But you heard he's talking about Asian violence. Still. He's still trying to take the Asian violence out for a walk like most of us don't realize. Yeah, dude. It's your people that are doing this. I mean, there's a, there's another picture that I could put up of a black guy who pushed an Asian person off the subway. So we finally get him to say something. We finally get the vice president to say something. And then it starts like an avalanche. Because now they can't keep lying. They can't say it's those white supremacists which are the greatest threat to America. The white supremacists nobody knows. 
the QAnon people nobody knows, Boogaloo, Two Percenters, whatever. And Noah Bloom does a great, great thread on this. This is what all statements should look like, and this is all starting to feel like a calculated dynamic where Biden always says the right thing so that everyone else in his party can spout their bullshit. Pretty shrewd, if you ask me. And then it begins. And I'm going to blow this up because it doesn't stop. Pretty sure the Democratic Party, likely the DNC, sent out a script to all elected Democrats to use when tweeting about anti-Semitism. Tons of elected tweeting using expressive phraseology, invoking anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Not one or the other, but both. Let's think about that for a second. What Islamophobia? Do you have any examples of Islamophobia? I have a shitload of anti-Semitism. And it's all from Democrats. But you go down all these. Every one of these. Look at this. It's cut and paste. This person is a total anti-Semite. Corey Bush. Total. Bowman. Julian Castro. I hate that these pictures are all like fucking annoying. I'm I'm hoping you can see them, so I keep on expanding them, but I guess it's just way too big. They even had a slide they handed out. They they just, it's all fake. It's control V messaging. But they won't cover this cat. Yeah, you a hero. Put your head up. You a hero! Put your head up! You a fucking hero! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! I'd do it again. I mean, in that intro, the guy saying stop about the anti Semitism. That's a Rashida Tlaib guy. He's the guy that we put up. He's the one that covered her map. Israel doesn't exist. Do you remember that? Oh, the media didn't cover it, so you, you didn't hear about it. You, you just heard Trump's bad. Trump's an anti-Semite. It's Trump's rhetoric why this is all happening. Really. He used a crutch to beat somebody. But we're fine with it. AOC, going to come out and say shit. AOC. She is like the lead anti-Semite. 
We will never ever tolerate anti-Semitism in, in New York. The reason surgeon attacks are horrifying. We stand with our Jewish communities in condemning this violence. You can help take NYC's free one-hour bystander intervention course. It's so mysterious as to where the anti-Semitic violence is coming in America. Yeah, you know it's not. No, it's not. This is the Bernie bros right here. Bernie bros. All of them. They put this shit out. It's an it's a terror-linked organization charity. They put it out. But you know, it's it's no big deal. What's wrong with you? Why why would you even bring this shit up? Why? This shit is so fucking frustrating. We talk about phantom white supremacy and Islamophobia, and we have blatant attacks on Jews, it takes a week, a week for the president to say anything. When we all know this would be Trump's goddamn fault. Here's a couple positive sound bites. Joining us right now is uh, Mossab Hassan Youssef. He is the son of Sheikh Hassan Youssef, a co-founder of Hamas. Um, and he la- later went on to become an informant for Israeli intelligence. He's also the author of the book Son of Hamas. Uh, so good to see you, um, Mossab. So we just heard President Hi, Biden there. Hello to you. You know, vowing not to help Hamas working with the Palestinian Authority. Is it even possible to rebuild Gaza without some coordination with Hamas? First of all, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, Before we uh, go to uh, President uh, Biden and the politics, uh, I would like to share something with you, something personal. Okay. Oh, you're a mother, and I know that you have a child, uh, children, and you have a son. Yes. And uh, I have traveled the world, you know, for the last uh, 10 years. I left the territories. I was a child of the conflict. I didn't know where to go. I was stateless. I was homeless. I was deportee. And I didn't have even a passport to travel with. Um, and uh, I went on a very wild adventure, you know, from religion to a religion, from a political party to another political party. I became a movie star for uh, two minutes. I became a New York Times bestseller author, all that. But unfortunately, there is one in this, one person in this world who does not understand any of this. And uh, I'm her son. You introduced me as the son of Hamas or the son of Sheikh Hassan Yusuf, Mm -hmm. you know. But I am not the son only of Sheikh Hassan Yusuf. There is a mother in the picture, Mm -hmm. you know, that nobody talks about. And you as a mother, if somebody takes your child from you, for 10 years and they don't allow you to see him. Say thank you for covering this story. It hasn't gotten nearly enough attention in the media. At ADL, we've seen just week over week 
since the incidents, since the fighting in the Middle East started, more than a 50% surge in anti-Semitic attacks here in the United States. From New York City to Los Angeles to Illinois to Florida to New Jersey to South Carolina and more and more. So incidents like assaults in broad daylight, Jewish people being chased down and beaten, reports from Southern California of men throwing bottles at homes that had Jewish mezuzot on their doors, right? Acts of vandalism at synagogues where a pro-Palestine demonstration ends up with broken windows and graffiti on a Jewish house of worship. And just out-and-out acts of harassment that literally things being said to people that I can't repeat on the air. So we are deeply alarmed by this because literally just yesterday, President Biden signed into effect the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, which was prompted by Asian Americans being held collectively responsible for policies of China. In the same way, from President Biden on down, we need elected officials to do what Mayor Garcetti did, to say holding Jews collectively responsible for Middle East policies, that's not activism, Nicole, it's anti-Semitism. And it should have no place in our political dialogue and the people committing these crimes need to be brought to justice. You know, my dear friend, Bianca Goladriga, was interviewing the Pakistani foreign minister, and she stopped him cold when he used some anti-Semitic slurs. So it's not just gangs on the street. It's foreign leaders. Let, let me just read some of this and, 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 and ask you how, how, to, how we fight that. So the... Uh, Pakistani foreign minister said um, that the pressure on public opinion is mounting. The ceasefire is inevitable. Israel is losing. They're losing the media war despite their connections. They're losing the media war. Biana says, what are their connections? He says, deep pockets. She says, what does that mean? He says, well, they are very influential people. I mean, they control the media. She then, um, in the moment, called it out, said, I would call that an anti-Semitic remark. When you've got um, senior government officials um, trotting that out, it, it, it certainly has an, an extension and a tale that you see on social media or on Facebook and Twitter. Hitler was right, I think, was trending this week. But how do you, you know, what is sort of the, the whole of um, society pushback when you've got a, one of the most senior leaders in Pakistan trotting this out and then it filters all the way down to an individual's Twitter account. How do you how do you fight? Well, you're all exactly of that hate? correct. We need a whole of society strategy to combat this kind of hate. Because indeed, from foreign ministers to the mobs on Twitter, and indeed, you know, at ADL, we track extremism offline and online. Our Center for Technology and Society last week saw seventeen thousand tweets that were all saying that Hitler was right for slaughtering the Jews. Joining me now is Omar Badahouti, co-founder of the BDS Movement for Palestinian Rights and founding committee member of the Palestinian Campaign for the Academic and Cultural Boycott uh, of Israel. Omar, uh, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, as briefly as you thank can, you. Uh, tell us what it is that your movement is calling for and what solution is it that you seek? Uh, thank you very much for having me. The boycott, divestment and sanctions as a nonviolent, anti-racist Palestinian-led global movement calls for ending complicity so that Palestinians can achieve an end to Israeli occupation, an end to Israeli apartheid, which is today recognized by Human Rights Watch, by Israel's largest uh, human rights organization, B'Tselem.
that, let me she's just finish while well, she still has and Marjorie Taylor Greene has yes. been stripped of committee. She has no power in Congress anymore. It matters who can make okay. legislation. And if you're for BDS and you're anti-Israel in the way that she is, it has the real power to make legislative change, as uh, we have seen last week with the squad. Okay. So the okay. idea that Marjorie Taylor Greene is more it. influential I, I than AOC is just inaccurate, and it's just not true. I don't yeah, I miss smoke. That, that's not, not positive. You had Hamas founder's son. That was a long soundbite. The next one's the guy from the ADL. Not once do they turn to the people that are actually doing it. The left. Then you bring on a BD, the founder of BDS movement, which is completely anti-Semitic. He comes on. And then you have Megan McCain. Don Hinkle does a great thread on this. It pretty much sums up why left's condemnation of anti-Semitism are practically worthless. Let's take a look at back and how these condemnations of anti-Semitism have been handled by the Democrats and what they reveal. Those who get angry with All Lives Matter's response to BLM also say, we've seen far too many acts of hate year fueled by political rhetoric, whether assaults on Asian New Yorkers, anti-Semitic violence in Midtown, anti-Palestinian hate spray on mosques, or anti-black slurs. New York City, we stand together against any form identity-based hate. AOC, who failed to call out anti-Semitism every single time it has peaked in her own city, called out those who spoke against anti-Semitism, but not Islamophobia, though. She did that very same, just the reverse. I think I got this out of order. Oh, that was Ilian Omar. Where did that one come from? The forces fomenting anti-Semitism, the forces arrayed against oppressed people around the world, including Palestine. What does that even mean? But back in February, now that I'm back on track, when there was a spike in anti-Asian hate crime, what do you know? The condemnation was focused exclusively on anti-Asian hate, nothing else. Why the difference in approach? After two weeks of non-stop anti-Jewish violence being directed by pro-Palestinian mobs everywhere from London to New York City, the condemnation curiously was not focused on anti-Semitism, despite Mayor of London recognized the rise of anti-Semitism. He brought the condemnation. He did the same. The Islamophobia. They they all do this. Bernie Sanders also linked the disturbing anti-Semitic attacks to a troubling rise in Islamophobia. You'll notice that Hamas Congressional Caucus also condemned, condemned anti-Semitism while equating it with Islamophobia as if we're actually seeing a rise in both when in fact we've only witnessed a rise in violent anti-Semitism. So how does this work? Why the anti-Semitic attacks were committed by white supremacists, the squad not only condemned it, but called out the source of the hatred. White supremacy. But what about when anti-Jewish violence is committed by other minorities, then suddenly not only don't they name the source of the hatred, but they broaden the condemnation against anti-Semitism to include all racism. That's the equivalent of BLM telling you all lives matter. And how about when it came to calling out Islamophobia on its own? Somehow that gets their exclusive attention rather than watering it down by adding in all forms of racism. 
Worse yet, Ilian Omar once made as if Jews and Palestinians face the same hatred. But in so doing so, her goal was to deny the anti-Semitism that has deep roots in the Palestinian psyche thanks to decades of anti-Jewish conditioning. I don't know why I doubled that thing, and that's probably why I ignored it. AOC, who failed to call anti-Semitism every single time, has peaked in her own city, called out those who spoke against anti-Semitism, but not Islamophobia. Check out this recent headline from the New York Times. The implication is that anti-Jewish pogroms we've witnessed over the past couple of weeks is a conflict thus implying two sides who just aren't getting along, except only one side is attacking the other. Every article, as Ben Shapiro said, there is nothing, nothing about it. And it's happening on the streets, right by the New York Times. They, they don't care. Unfortunately, the leftist position that cannot deal with any anti-Semitism that is, isn't is attributed to white supremacists is nothing new. Remember back in March 2019 when Ilium was going to be censored by her ant- for anti-Semitic remarks? Remember when they watered down the resolution? House votes condemn all hate as anti-Semitism debate overshadows Congress. One response is the anti-Semitism and Islamophobia have both been rising, but according to the NYPD Q1 report, while there were 27 attacks against Jews, there was a grand total of one against Muslim. That disparity is even greater by now, considering the last couple of weeks. If after two weeks of violent global programs, especially New York City, the same people who condemned anti-Asian and anti-Islamic hate crimes with singular force cannot condemn anti-Jewish violence without invoking all forms of racism. They may be in denial of their own anti-Semitism. Bottom line, the far left cannot get itself to condemn anti-Semitism without all lives mattering. It when the perpetrators are black and Muslim because suddenly anti-Semitism is born of thin air and no ideology whatsoever. So when you see their condemnations, remember their BS. They're, They're just garbage. I mean, Netanyahu fires back at the squad. Bernie Sanders claims the Israeli government contains overt racism. Auschwitz survivor wishes her followers a peaceful Sabbath, then gets bullied online. And let us not forget, at the same time that they're pushing their, you must say these binary bullshit, and we got that today. 0.07% of the country, 1.4 million people out of the country are transgender. Among most dangerous places for gays, Gaza, West Bank, where they throw them off fucking roofs. You heard about the soccer goalie. We don't care. We we don't fucking care. Why would we care? Why would we care? It's okay to say all lives matter when they're saying it. We're still quoting Adolf Hitler. Jack doesn't have a problem with it. Miss Malik appears made up, but it's nonetheless often quoted in variation by anti-Semites. Of course it is. That's Gaza right now. The left and the media freak out about rednecks having their kids shoot. But that's okay. We don't even cover it. 
Why would we? Why would we? That's the only fucking article out there. That's it. They're fake. Everything they say is a lie. And they get away with it because the media is part of them. I mean, this is allowed on Twitter. But Donald Trump had to be kicked off because he could start violence. That's what they said. Okay. Okay. That that makes sense. This all makes sense. I mean, to never Trumpers it is because they just hated the guy. He's so fucking bad. Mm. He's so fucking bad. I mean, what the fuck? What the fucking fuck? What the fucking fuck? It just angers me because, you know, it, it just, just angers me. So we're going to, we're going to move on to January 6th, but before we do, let's look at a couple things. Man who allegedly vowed to kill police officers plows cars through Maryland police precinct. I'll say it again. If I ever met Rand Paul's neighbor, I'm going to give him a hug. I take these threats immediately seriously as repeated target violence. It is reprehensible that Twitter allows C-list celebrities to encourage violence against me and my family. Non-stop. It's all good. Nobody has a problem with it. It continues to happen. But we used January 6th to impeach a, impeach a president. All right, that, that's what we did. We said he incited a riot that was a attack on our democracy. Well, here's just a montage of what the media says about conservatives and George Will on January 6th. CNN parting ways with right-wing commentator Rick Santorum. HuffPost broke this news yesterday and said Santorum's contract was, quote, terminated. This stems from Santorum's speech last month when he spoke dismissively about Native Americans, stirring outrage, leading to this segment on Chris Cuomo's show, where Santorum said he misspoke but did not actually apologize. So now he's out. And Nicole, the question is, what's the context for this decision by CNN? So, you know, this decision actually reminds me a lot of the decision in 2012 for MSNBC to cut ties with Pat Buchanan, who had been on the network for a decade um, for some racist and nativist things that he had said. And in this case, too, it's not that Rick Santorum said something that was unusual for the sets of beliefs that he has. It's just that the tolerance um, of CNN and its audience for those beliefs seems to have changed. And so that, I think, is the most important context for what happened here. So how should the reality-based press cover an alternative reality GOP? Honestly, 
I mean, I think that's the key important thing here is cover it honestly. I think we've had this view for a long time, and journalism should be not aligned with either party, but I think we've interpreted it to mean journalism should be equally distant between the two parties, and I think that's not realistic. Journalism has a bias for facts evidence truth and if like half of the voters in one party and a lot of the elected officials in a party are not being truthful journalists are going to cover that and look like they're covering that party more negatively so in this environment we have to prioritize we have to be pro-truth pro-democracy pro-evidence and i think that's going to make it look like we're pro-democratic but i think we're but i think we should be pro-democratic small d not pro-democratic capital d it all comes down to this idea that one person, even if you hate what they post on Twitter, they do not represent the entirety of a global news operation. And once, once we all agree on that, we shouldn't fall prey to these bad faith campaigns. Uh, at the same time, though, these social media platforms are a constant source of headaches for news management. Hopes for a bipartisan commission to investigate what happened on January 6th are fading fast, almost as fast as some Republican leaders are sprinting from a key question whether GOP lawmakers were in communication with the insurrectionists. See how they run. No, I don't think so. Are certain that none of your members were in any communication with any of the people who uh, stormed Capitol Hill? Thank you for the question. Everybody have a nice day. Who knew House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy was so quick? It's as if the getaway car was parked just down the street. Over in the Senate, GOP leader Mitch McConnell, who initially sounded open to a commission, later showed off his cat-like reflexes, sidestepping the idea. After careful consideration, I've made the decision to oppose the House Democrats' slanted and unbalanced proposal for another commission to study the events of January the 6th. You didn't know he could move so fast, did you? Like a ninja. Now the bill to create a bipartisan 9-11 style commission may be doomed in the Senate. Surprised? Remember, it was McConnell who talked a good game around Trump's second impeachment trial. They stormed the Senate floor. They tried to hunt down the Speaker of the House. They built a gallows and chanted about murdering the Vice President. They did this because they'd been fed wild falsehoods by the most powerful man on earth. Because he was angry, he lost an election. But McConnell also voted to acquit Trump. Not exactly a profile in courage, more like cowardice and calculation. That's because Republican leaders have made the decision to put next year's midterm election ahead of the good of the country and that Trump is the key to winning back control of Congress. You remember the Mussolini of Mar-a-Lago writing in his blog, which has become his online diary, you could say. Trump demanded that Republican leaders shut down this commission, saying, hopefully Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy are listening. Were they listening? And George, let me begin with you. We just heard Speaker Pelosi and, and, and Leader McConnell right there. We heard Susan Collins say she's still optimistic for something going forward on this January 6th commission. It's kind of hard to believe it's even controversial. Well, it's controversial for one reason. We have something new in American history that is a political party defined by the terror it feels for its own voters. That's the Republican Party right now. Every election. The terror they feel for their own voters. 
Is it Republicans ringing the Capitol with fencing and guards because some people trespassed? GOP senator raises uncorroborated claims about provocateurs, fake Trump supporters at Capitol riot hearing. That was Ron Johnson. They went crazy, and I haven't read this because I wasn't going to, but as we go down this road, I'm going to cover my face. This is somebody that was there for the Federalist. He wasn't mega. Plainclothes militia, agent provocateurs, fake Trump protesters, disciplined uniform column of attackers, eyewitness account with no outside detail. Their article, the first person eyewitness draft, the night of January 6th and morning of January 7th, and witness participating in the scores protest and editing the full publication. I fought the temptation to add new information that I bad. I had subsequently learned from my own or from other people. Other reports will vary and may contain contradictory. Anti-riot police prepared early but present was light. Crowd energized and festive. Not angry or incited. They had respect for the city and streets. Among them were younger 20-something wearing new Trump or mega hats, often with a visor in the back, showing no enthusiasm and looking at the ground, glowing or holding out their phones with outstretched arms to make videos as many faces as possible in the crowd. Some appeared awkward the way someone's body language generally shows the world that he feel like he doesn't fit. They generally covered their faces with cloth mask and opposed to the pro-Trump people who didn't wear a mask at all. A second outlier group also stood out. While many marchers wore military camouflage shirts, jackets, or pants of various patterns and states of wear, and in all shapes and sizes here and there, one could see people of different type, riry young men in good physical condition, dressed neatly, and would look like newer camouflage uniforms, black gear. They showed tidiness and discipline. They strode instead of walked. As we would see, they were disciplined uniform column of attackers. It's in the record. It's in the record. Michael Waller's testimony analysis of January 6th Capitol riot. I could play you the video. What's the point? It wasn't all mega people. We've been saying that since day one. You could see it on videos. We have a person that literally just got $90,000 seized by the federal government that's what he got paid by CNN and MSNBC and the FBI is not putting that out but we already know it we've seen the contract we put it on the show This January 6th thing has nothing to do with protecting the country or that there is an actual threat The actual threat is leftism violence. It has been going on forever. Since Trump got elected, we've had violence on our street, and nobody seems to care, including Republicans, principled conservative, never Trumpers. They just don't care because it doesn't affect them. They live in gated communities, so fuck it. Not going to hurt me. She is still saying this. Saki made the comment during a White House press conference where she was asked about an open letter by Minneapolis Metropolitan Police Department Officer Michael Fonan earlier this month in which he discussed the physical injuries and psychological trauma suffered by officers today and asked elected leaders to recognize fully the action of officers who responded to the riot. 
I'm happy to check on the status of the letter, Saki said. Obviously, the president's view is that there were a number of officers who lost their lives, paid a tremendous sacrifice on a day that will be strained on our democracy for many years to come, and certainly many who survived. This will be a long-lasting trauma. Who died? Who died? Who died? Name them. Fucking name them. They don't exist. Nobody died. Zod Zellini. Cases like this in San Francisco are discussed only on right-wing social media. This is what I'm saying about the media fragmentation. Filter bubbles are preventing progressives from even recognizing that crime exists as a social phenomenon and that it's surging. And it's not white supremacy. It's not January 6th. It's not anything we need to worry about other than lefties need to tighten up their people. The best you'll get from the left to center is that we should address crime by tackling root causes, which is always doing a bunch of stuff they want to do anyway, even if no crime existed, social welfare spending. Meanwhile, a lot of people are getting hurt, killed, and obvious solution is better and more expansive policing and more effective system of prosecution for offenders. Well, the problem is the left can't admit that one of the root causes is under-policing of violent crimes and failure to clear and arrest many violent criminals until they admit this. They're doing nothing about the problem. Well, that's funny. It's crime is actually much easier to prevent than a heart attack all for research shows that more policing higher clearance rates and less crime that actually easier than getting people to eat right and exercise the tension is fundamentally that too many liberals read the new jim crow and that the only thing they could ever read about criminal justice nonviolent drug crimes are a tiny portion of the system and da's like Bowden want to take that a take tackle the wider population Dem voters tell Bowdoin to end mass incarceration. Bowdoin's like, okay, I'll do it. Then he starts going easy on serious criminals. And Dem voters are likely, wait, what? In a way, Bowdoin is more honest with himself than a lot of these activists left and honest about what they want. You still see the New York Times article blaming the pandemic for the rise in violence. Well, it's that was the case. The whole world had the pandemic. It's a pandemic. And yet, even in fairly violent places, murders went down last year just not here. High murder rates are inevitable in poor communities. It's pandemic blah, blah, blah versus reality. Government policy can make communities much safer. It did in the 60s, fairly successful. It can do it again. Increasing murder rates are failure of government to act. You have the New York Times pushing this bullshit. After Floyd's death, Republicans reported much stronger support for Black Lives Matter than they had earlier in 2020, right? Piccadilly, blah, blah. But perhaps even more striking is a rapid decline. The world riot was never used in this article. How does it tie to the sixth? We have violence every fucking where. This was nothing compared to what's happening on the streets, what's happening to fucking Jews on the streets by Palestinian leftists. Oh, let's say Tlaib, Cory Bush, Omar, and AOC voters. Those people. But we, we don't we don't covet. This is the articles. With violent crime spiking, the push for police reform collides with voter fears. No, it, it goes with reality. Then there's this breaking that no media will even fucking touch with a 10-foot pole. Do you remember 
This, you know, once again, this is the sole cause why we had riots that destroyed the country that the left didn't care about and didn't prosecute. But we got to research January 6th because that's so important and Trump might get elected again. The initial autopsy said he died of an overdose, not the knee to the neck. But when Keith Ellison, an ex-senator or congressperson for the left, who was part of Antifa and has posed with the book numerous times, the Antifa handbook, he made him change it. And that's the cause for all this shit. And a Marxist movement that the left is strapped onto because... They're Marxists. It's just comical. This is all so comical. You don't want to address the real violence, the real racism, anti-Semitism, and you're going after a fake one. And then we get into this. Let's just fucking play this shit. And I want to start with Ted Cruz who, as we recall, has completely gone all in for Donald Trump, despite Donald Trump publicly attacking his wife, her looks, her mental stability, and publicly accusing his father of being part of the Kennedy assassination. That person, Ted Cruz, suggesting that the U.S. military is emasculated and pansies. Any thoughts? You know... Ted Cruz is very thirsty for attention, whether it's from uh, Donald Trump, folks on uh, the Internet. Uh, He has essentially become a Twitter troll at this point. Senator Ted Cruz has never served in battle, but he sure likes culture wars. Today, he's taking issue with a recruiting video from the U.S. Army that features a real soldier's story. Although I had a fairly typical childhood, took ballet, played violin, I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age. When I was six years old, one of my moms had an accident that left her paralyzed. Doctors said she might never walk again, but she tapped into my family's pride to get back on her feet, eventually standing at the altar to marry my other mom. With such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class. I needed my own adventures, my own challenge. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength and maybe shatter some stereotypes along the way. I'm U.S. Army Corporal Emma Malone Lord, and I answered my calling. So this is the the true story of, of an actual hero who volunteered to serve her country in the military and for context, something that Ted Cruz has not done. I want you to hear the Texas Republicans take on it. What we're saying is we're saying Democratic politicians and these woke lefty bureaucrats and and lefty media reporters trying to destroy the American military, trying to turn it in 
into, frankly, a bunch of pansies. The job of the military is to kill the bad guys, and it is to, it is to strike fear in the enemies of America. People sign up to, to, to join the military because they want to keep us safe. They, they don't want to sit around a, a, a circle emoting and passing daisies back and forth. And I don't care if you're a left-handed lesbian who rides a unicycle. That doesn't matter. If you want to sign up to defend the nation, defend the nation and train to do that. Well, for a different perspective, let's bring in now Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth. She's an Iraq War veteran and Purple Heart recipient. Uh, he tweeted out that uh, that video and uh, another one with the Russian military, uh, men doing push-ups, and tweeted, holy crap, perhaps a woke, emasculated military is not the best idea. Your reaction to what you're seeing and hearing from your colleague? Well, first, let's just say that that uh, video of this uh, purported video of the Russian military actually was from a white supremacist uh, uh, web pages. Fuck her. I know she's a vet. She's a disabled vet. Well, I'm one, too. Fuck her. Fuck her. Fuck her. Fuck her. White supremacy. Really? Really? What he was saying is what everybody else is saying. He's not mucking, mocking U.S. service member, he's saying, why are we recruiting for f- the 5% of the country that's gay? Why do we need that? Why do we need trannies? Why aren't we focusing on closing with and killing the enemy, not writing placards and protesting? They even brought Tammy Duckworth I'm not even reading her shit. They end up shooting, shutting it down because it wasn't just Ted Cruz, but it was convenient to say, well, it's Ted Cruz's fault because that's what we do in the we do in our media. We just blame people for shit. Yeah, that that's that's just what we do. That that's what we do. Get the I hate Ted Cruz. I wouldn't vote for Ted Cruz. He's not my guy. But the point being is, what the fuck, Chuck? You have open anti-Semitism coming out of Omar, Bush, AOC, Tlaib. You have a person in our intro who literally is an Islamist saying, hey, we need to stop being all this anti-Semitism. Be anti-Semitic. But we don't do an expose on that. We go after Ted Cruz, who said what every other red-blooded American and veteran said. What the fuck kind of shit show is that? And it's pretty bad that a Russian, the people you people talk about all the time, all the time, is the biggest enemy in the world. Oh my God, they're going to kill us tomorrow. They took over an election. There's still being a military. But have no fear, never Trumpers and people that hate this new conservatism that you don't like with us commoners in it. CNN still trying to stir up another fucking protest over another shooting. I am outraged and exhausted and angry that video is practically unwatchable and i think about that man's family and his mother and what they must be going through and i just wonder um this is clearly not a system that can be reformed and 
I just, what, what can we do to stop this? Because it feels like uh, it's just time to, to, to burn it down. Yeah. This now is Ronald Green's mother, Mona Hardin, also Green family attorney, Ron Haley. Ms. Hardin, I am so sorry for your loss, and I'm so sorry to be talking to you under these circumstances. Um, as more video surfaces showing the night your son was killed, have you been able to watch these videos? What, what no, do you, no, no. I, I can't no. imagine. What quantitative value could you get from that? What quantitative value? Every shooting we've had, every death in custody, which that actually was not a shooting, I misspoke. It's factually incorrect. They put it out on purpose for ratings and to stir the Democratic base. That's what they're doing. Just like January 6th, just like ignoring anti-Semitism. And it's very interesting that we have studies like this. Um, Let me close these down and get to... the section we're going to go into now. Fox News viewers, and I'm going to cover my face, outperform CNN and MSNBC. Steve Dinan at the Washington Times, part of the Fox News viewers, outperform viewers of CNN or MSNBC on several policy issues. He's favoring the liberal networks are much more likely to believe that climate emergency media hype that we are on a pace to extinction within 100 years. Relatively few people could place the federal government total debt at $20 trillion to $30 trillion, but Fox viewers were about twice as likely as CNN viewers to do so. Likey. How about likely? Heartland found in the polling, which Rasmussen reported conducted. On taxes, 36% of Fox viewers knew the top marginal tax rate was 30 to 40, just 23 of CNN, 22 of MSNBC. Most striking was climate change. More than half the CNN viewers and 58% of MSDNC viewers said the rate the globe is warming, humanity's on a pace for extinction in 100 years. Harlan said that it is decidedly not the scientific consensus. Just a quarter of Fox viewers believe doom is coming. If you watch CNN and MSNBC, you may be twice as likely to hold that view than people are getting their news from other outlets, said Justin Holstein, <clears throat> or Haskins, the editorial director for Heartland. That means there are people answering the questions who believe they will live through the climate apocalypse. The Heartland Institute, Mr. Haskins said, the nature of the television news to tell narratives rather than get facts, and that can lead viewers astray. He pointed to the nearly 25% of CNN viewers said at least 500 unarmed black people were killed by police this year. Why do they believe that? Is it because CNN tells them it's 500 a year? No, it's because CNN doesn't tell them how many are being shot by police. But they come into that collusion because of the narrative CNN provides. The numbers matter. If you believe more are 500 unarmed Americans being killed every year, 5,000 a decade, you believe this is a crisis, Mr. Haskins says. But if the number is only 18, you know it's only 18, you might not view it the same way and go to the polls and vote for Democrats. This is everything. That's why you have them spend all their time talking about Trump voters are so stupid. Trump voters are illiterate. That's why never Trumpers who watch CNN and MSDNC and read the WAPO and the New York Times and think they're so woke believe everybody who voted for Trump's an inbred fucking piece of shit. 
and everybody who doesn't believe January 6th is 9-11 is un-American and could be a tower shooter. Like I was said, or spoken to. And then you get to that, and go back to that thing, the three phases of truth, and here's COVID. Heard President Trump, we have heard Secretary of State Mike Pompeo make the claim that they have seen evidence that the coronavirus began as part of a lab accident in Wuhan, China. Well, CNN reported overnight that the Five Eyes, these are America's closest allies in the intelligence community, are now saying, that's not the evidence we've seen. The evidence we've seen points us to animal-to-human transmission. And the Australian press is even saying it clearly as well. The Australians are flat out saying, yeah, the evidence points to -to animal-to-human transmission here. So what's going on? Well, they say they've seen evidence, but they haven't shown anyone else the evidence, and that's the key distinction. Um, The uh, scientific research has suggested strongly, shown strongly, uh, according to Anthony Fauci, that this was not a concocted virus. This was not something that the Chinese created as a bioweapon in a virology lab. I mean, do you believe or is there evidence that SARS-CoV-2 was made in the lab in China or accidentally released from a lab in China? Well... You know, there's two issues. If you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now, it's very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated, the way the mutations have naturally evolved. A number of very qualified evolutionary biologists have said that everything about the stepwise evolution over time strongly indicates that evolved in nature and then jumped species. ...at the Wuhan Institute of Virology were hospitalized with symptoms consistent with both COVID-19 and common seasonal illness in November of 2019. That's something that is apparently known to U.S. Intel officials. So why isn't President Biden pushing for more access, more information to get to the bottom of exactly what happened? We are. Uh, And we have repeatedly called for the WHO to to support an expert-driven evaluation of the pandemic's origins. Okay, go ahead. Just heard you describe the infrastructure negotiations as the art of seeking common ground. At some point, does that become the art of the deal? I don't know. You're the professional here, Peter. You're the TV star, you know? Um, I added that last one because she is such a fucking smartass. But this is, of course, the Wall Street Journal, and it's a bombshell. Three people were sick, as we said in 2020. Said it on this show. Not because I was pro-Trump, not because I was supporting Trump, not because I like Trump, because it was all over fucking Twitter from China. Just understand, two weeks ago, you were a piece of shit if you didn't wear a mask. And if you believed it came from a lab, you were a birther. Not a truther, which is even worse. And you can still work on CNN and be in the Obama White House if you believe that, you know, Cheney and fucking Bush wired the World Trade Center, blew that shit up. Yeah. That's okay. To believe.
unfucking believable. It's exactly, it's exactly, it's it's just exactly. I'm guessing we'll find we we made a lot of mistakes handling the pandemic. Much of it caused by the fact that nobody had any experience handling a novel virus. Hope we can endeavor to rise above finger pointing. That's a liberal. Oh, really? Hmm. You pointed the whole time. That's what you did. You said Christians were killing grandma. Red states were killing grandma. Donald Trump killed 500,000 people. That's what you said. But here's the reality on this, and, and you're smart enough to figure this out. The reason why they couldn't admit it was China's fault is because you can't use it against Trump to win an election. You can't change 80 voting laws and take over an election. You can't do that. If it's China, it's got to be Trump and red states and Christians and gun owners and anybody that looks like me. Even though I wear a mask still and tomorrow I get my last shot. But yeah. Yeah. I, I just... Once again, once again, that that's, uh, they don't want to find out. They, if you find out, you can't continue to have an emergency. They didn't even want to take the mask off because you can't have a crisis without a crisis. They don't fucking care. In line with it, I don't have a slide to show you. Teachers are tired. They're exhausted. We have to find a way to repair and nourish them as well as families in terms of attracting and retaining our teaching force. Tired from what? What are they tired from? Not working? Pushing critical race theory? This is actually from CNN. I got to make it a little bigger because I really want you to know I'm not making this up. In my latest for CNN opinion, I write about Nicole Hannah-Jones' critical race theory and the way conservatives wield influence over universities, not just from the outside, but from within. She's serious. She's serious. Michigan governor apologized for social distancing blunder. These are all the shit the media does for the left. They'll go this far. It's a blunder. A lady who still has lockdown, tried to lock down her state. Doesn't want to take the mask mandate. No, no, it's called, I didn't think I was going to get caught. Here's Washington Post. Biden's typical day reveals a creature of habit, eager to escape the Washington bubble and determined to stay in touch with his family. Yes, the six-term U.S. Senator and two-term vice president who ran three times for president is just itching to escape the Washington bubble. So eager to escape the bubble he lived in for 47 years. The border is swamped. The value of the dollar is plummeting. Israel nearly went to war because of disastrous foreign policy. Commerce is coming to a grinding halt. And this is what WAPO is saying. They also say in there, he has a very light day and does a lid early. They admit it. This fallacy. Biden administration opposing a global minimum tax, at least 15%. It looks to level playing field and stop what Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has called the race to the bottom. However, the Treasury Department said the 50% is just the starting point. The initial proposal comes with officials, the Treasury officials, blah, blah, blah. A conference agreement set the global minimum tax and everybody's for it. 
The world is closer than ever before to global minimum tariffs. Great to hear the positive reception to our proposal. And thanks to Secretary Yellen and our partners all around the world for their work on this. This is what it looks like to lead the world to the end of the race to the bottom. And the entire world goes, yeah, the media might believe that, but nobody else does. Nobody else believes that. But we'll, we'll just say it because, you know, he's unity and shit. President Biden tells me he will not allow his Justice Department to seize the phone or email records of his reporter. Wait for it. This is a massive break from his predecessor. No, that was Obama. Obama seized people's shit. Trump didn't. Obama wiretapped, wiretapped his party's opponent for an election and ran a fake Russian collusion with phony dossiers. But we can write it. This is the best one all week. Michelle Obama-led Secret Service agent reveals a former first lady could go anywhere in public, could not go anywhere in public, without racial slurs being directed against her. She was outraged, but powerless to protect her from words and signs. She could only intervene if there was a physical threat. Many of you are asking why I didn't name a Secret Service agent if that is true. So here you go. Her name is Avi Pomporis. Yet, never reported once. We have a world where we video everything and there's not a single video showing Michelle Obama being racially slurred. In a media environment that coddled Obama more than Biden. Worshipped him. Waited in the bathroom to look at him shit and revel in the glory of his turds. That was the media environment. Yeah. Yeah, this is just like my six-year-old came in the room and said, Donald Trump is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Sure. Sure it did. Fucking liars, just fucking liars. Just fucking liars. They just make shit up. The woman was also SS for Bill Clinton. She has tons of YouTube videos promoting herself. She's all about monetizing of her former job. No doubt the Obamas were playing her well to push the fictional story of racism. If this Secret Service agent named Justin Smollett by any chance... Her every move as public was on camera for eight years. There's not a single instance. Then do more important shit, which we covered. They're going to redefine what guns are so that they can ban more guns. Ammo supply is unlikely to return to normal anytime soon. I spoke with Winchester and Hornaday, two leaders of ammo manufacturers, and they both have backlogs that stretch over two years. For those who shoot, 9mm and 5.56, which are both in high demand. It's very uncertain how long it will be before people will consistently have ammunition readily available. Winchester President Bill Flogger told me. 
John Hornaday, vice president of Hornaday Manufacturing Company, told the reload site he isn't expecting a slowdown for upwards of two and a half years. That's how long we'll wait to fill back orders. Lucky Gunner, one of the country's largest online ammo retailers, said the orders they are waiting on manufacture up to again this year. They are at an all-time high for the company. It's fairly easy to understand that driving the scarcity, millions of Americans bought guns for the first time or last year. They all want ammo. It's almost impossible just a mature manufacturing business to meet increased demands of the size in short order. Our whole industry was up 30%-ish, Hornaday said. In the short term, you don't want you to do maximum hours, maximize what you can. We got that 30%. Now the market is asking me for another 30 and it's It's asking for 80 Not good. That's why I'm sitting on 3,000 3, rounds. But for guns, do you think we brought anybody on that knows anything about guns? No, over on CNN, they brought David Hogg. And it's not only gun violence that's going up, it's also gun purchasing. So in just uh, the past year, in 2020, there were nearly 23 million gun sales across the United States. That's up 65 percent over the year before. And then in January, okay, after the insurrection at the Capitol, there were 2 million gun sales, and that's up 75% compared to the January before that. So what's that about to you? I think it's about fear. I think it's about the fact that uh, as a country, oftentimes we would rather, unfortunately, turn on each other and point to someone's skin color or point to someone's immigration status or their gender or their sexual identity and, and claim that's the threat, when in reality, um, we should all be working together against the sources of evil that are creating this gun violence and the injustice that promotes this gun violence and gun purchases in the first place. Because the reality is what's going to help solve this situation is not somebody buying, you know, another AR-15 or another gun. Uh, it's going to be all of us working together to, to change the political system and the corruption and system of loopholes that has brought us to this place where a corporate, you know, a, a corporate lobby, essentially, like the NRA, is able to put such a, a, a chokehold on our elected officials that that is so devoid of facts it's so hard to even unpack it all it's because biden became president he started talking about taking guns you fucking moon bats and of course she links it to january 6th but actually the, the sales were greater during the summer when your fucking voter block was murdering people in the streets which we're not having an investigation on the nra is bankrupt they don't own anybody. PPFA gets funded by tax dollars to then support Democrats. Go fuck yourself. That is such a bunch of lies. Just incredible lies. That kid wouldn't know which end he shits out of because when he opens his mouth, he just shits. I've been thinking a lot about individual freedoms and how activists dupe those in power to adopt well-meaning policies in the name of the greater good that slowly chip away at our freedoms until what remains is a totalitarian state, total state control of our lives. I see it happening at all levels, not just the state, but the workplace, social media, activists coming in all guises, but they say the same thing. If we adopt this good policy, we will create a better world than the policy gets weaponized for profit and to punish. For example, in academia, a seemingly innocuous policy creates a safe environment for students to learn. Who would argue with that? I'm for it. Becomes weaponized to strife 
speech, stifle speech, fire professors, and disinvite speakers. The same thing happening on social media, an innocuous policy like create a safer environment for discussion. Again, who would argue against that? Becomes weaponized, an excuse of shadow ban, suspend anyone who thinks the wrong way, and make someone feel unsafe. In sort, in sort, I see a pattern now, and so should you. Anytime someone pushes a better world policy, if we do this common sense good thing, then we'll create a better, safer environment. Watch out. Because it's a Trojan horse that'll be weaponized against the ideological opponent. What interests me is the language. She won't use the term crime. It's now community violence. Listen to this. And, and over the last year, this past weekend, there were more than a dozen mass shootings across this country. Uh, 4,000 more people shot and killed by guns in 2020 compared to the year before. Is there a crime problem in this country? Well, I would say certainly there is a guns problem, uh, and that's something the president would say. And there are communities where uh, local violence and community violence is an issue, and that's one of It's exactly what that man just said. You change the words, you weaponize it, you make it whatever the fuck you want. You make it whatever you want. David Hogg coming on. Yeah! Think like us, vote like us, do what we tell you to do. It's like it's, I could have played a clip from Joy Reid where um, the Republican Party has embraced fascism. Really? You guys have brown shirts on the street beating people, attacking Jews. But yeah, yeah, it's the Republicans with the problem. And with all this shit going on, that's your media. What happened to the Peloton? Really? Let's do some gay shit. Hey, 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 bow, bow, bow. Lil pump in the cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. It's a clear overreach on the part of such legislatures. Clearly, they are demonstrating their ignorance and prejudice. At least six major medical associations have weighed in against these bills, including the American Academy of Pediatrics, of which Dr. Lee Savio Beers is the president. I'm going to read you something that was said in support of this law in Arkansas. Uh, One of the Republican senators said, gender-affirming treatments are, quote, at best experimental and at worst a serious threat to a child's welfare. These are not experimental treatments. They're really based in scientific literature. They're based in decades and decades of expert experience. While the vast majority of transgender youth and adults are satisfied with their transitions, not all are. In some cases, patients are choosing to reverse the process. It's called detransitioning. In her early 20s, 
Grace Ladinsky-Smith was seriously depressed and developed gender dysphoria. I just had the sense that if, if I could inhabit life as like a trans man, as a man, then I wouldn't feel so self-conscious. I was thinking that it would make me feel very free. Grace says she found a gender therapist on the internet and told her, I'm thinking of transitioning. She thought it all sounded pretty good. Did the therapist not question you about how deep the feeling was and what it was stemming from? She didn't go really go into what my gender dysphoria might have been stemming from. Just four months after she started testosterone, she says she was approved for a mastectomy, what's called top surgery, that she told us was traumatic. You know, I'm kind of surprised because based on everything you've set up to now, I would have thought you'd have a great sense of relief. I started to have a really disturbing sense that like a part of my body was missing, almost a ghost limb feeling about being like, there's something that should be there. And the feeling really surprised me, but it was really hard to deny. And so she detransitioned by going off testosterone. For Daisy in Chicago, who says she started taking hormones at 18, everything was great in the beginning. After every step that you take, every milestone feels like a million bucks. When I got top surgery, I was elated. When I changed my name, I was elated. But when everything that I had set out to do was done, I still felt incomplete. Garrett from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, went from taking hormones to getting his testicles removed, he says in just three months. But instead of feeling more himself, he says he felt worse. So more depressed after you transitioned than before. Mm -hmm. I had never really been suicidal before um, until I had my breast augmentation. And when I was watching this, I knew it was going to blow up. We just happened to finish the race and there it was. And I knew these people were going to lose their fucking shit over talking about detransitioning. Now, if you follow the show, it's about 80%. The first survey ever done by GLAD was 80% of the respondents just stopped talking. They never came back because they went back. But you can't say that. Lefties melt down over CBS committing random act of journalism on trans people. 60 Minutes aired a shameful segment fear-mongering about trans youth. Parents of trans youth could walk away with the false belief that young people are being rushed into medical transition. Yeah, that's what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. They are being pushed. I'm going to expand these so they're more readable. This is a serious problem. Kudos 60 Minutes responsibly handling it. Transitioning is a reasonable process for some, but it is a serious, difficult decision, and teens can't make the decision on their own. They shouldn't be able to make it on their own. This is an 18 or older adult decision. Chase Strangio, just another gay activist, losing his shit. Alexander Polos and Khalid Richards knew exactly the harm they were causing in the last night's segment. They knew it was a wrong moment, a dangerous, unaccountable, limited angle. But they did it anyway. This is on all of you. Even in there, there's a picture of a fucking 
or a, a what was the word I was looking for? Um, a segment about suicides, which we know on this show was done from, again, a survey of teenagers. Of course, teenagers are suicidal. But this is such a sick pedophilia-laced subject. What the fucking fuck is that? A diaper penis? And this isn't a cult. This isn't bad. The cover of fucking L UK. This isn't bad that we're we're purposely angling this towards kids because we want to indoctrinate them and put them into our ideological camp. Point seven percent, and I'm like, I'm embellishing. I mean, we've read all the studies on here of young girls that are doing this because they notice they get attention by teachers because they're part of the cult. Arkansas Women's Shelter will host family-friendly drag queen show with headliner Crystal Meth. Women that have been beaten by men. And then this sick fucking shit. This is high school. He has risen. Graphic sexual content assigned to Texas students dissenting parents harassed with anti-Christian dicks. Students as young as 13 in Lander Independent School District in Austin, Texas. See, it's a blue city. Have been exposed to graphic sexual content as part of their coursework, including graphic verbal depiction of gang rape and other sexual acts. Much of the content is too explicit to post on the site, but the Teach Parental Rights Coalition provided excerpts and screenshots of extended passages here. One red, he has risen, includes a crown of thorns. He has risen indeed. Stay hateful, you bigoted cunt. The back of it reads, the postal packaging reads, fondle with care. This was sent to a parent. Hope this sparkling dick calms down your fear-mongering, you book-hating Philistine. Those are teachers teaching kids to fucking do hateful shit to those who disagree with them. Because that's what it's about, right? You just disagree. Here's some of the stuff. Let me see if I can say it. The time he never once looked at her. She would never know if he followed her into the bathroom. Even as a child, Naomi was not a heavy sleeper. The first night Henry came into her room, she heard the door open, heard the footsteps. This is what kids were told to read. Too heavy to be uh, in any way else. Never, okay, no, blah, blah. Then he footsteps went down towards the door. She waited in a moment, and then she thought surely he had gone back to bed. She opened her eyes and gulped in breath. Henry was staring right at her. He grinned. You thought you fooled me, but I fooled you. I knew you were awake. He closed the door behind him, locked the door. He put locks on the bedroom doors a week before. When I still asked him why, he simply said, I, it's a house. Should be. Henry came to the side of her bed and pulled back the covers. Nobody sat quickly and scrambled backwards. I'm, I'm not reading this shit. Th- this stuff is, it's fucking sick. 
It is fucking sick. High school track star running against trans athletes is devastating. Tell me that I'm not good enough. That, that's not covered. We don't teach that in school. Why would we? It goes against the, the agenda. But send pictures to parents like that. Yeah, because you don't want your kids to be indoctrinated that it's okay just to wake up and change your sex. I mean, the, the most amazing thing about 60 Minutes is they literally showed what happens when this cult takes these kids and pushes them too far. Now the girl's got a mastectomy. She has no breast. She'll never be able to reproduce because she took hormones. Her system's all fucked up. But yeah, you're a piece of shit if you talk about this. In witchcraft, one menstrual cycle is considered to be an extremely powerful time. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. Menstrual blood. Let me move this. It's all fucked up. Can be used in spells to ward off evil and protect us if used properly. Blue June hosts a mystic witch podcast suggests creating a witch bottle to repeat negative vibes from others. Collect any piece of broken glass, tacks, nails, screws, or anything else you collect from your journeys that could injure you in the mason jar with your menstrual blood or use tampon. Blue advice, seals and tight and barely near your home for protection from others. That's in Teen Vogue. If you're letting your kids read Teen Vogue, shame on you. This is Nancy Drew, a kid's show on the CW. It's all gay people and gay stuff. Because that's what we're doing now. We're just training kids to do it. Train company apologizes non-binary passengers saying ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. NPR Sunday propaganda. I can't play it. I'm going to play it like this because I couldn't get it to work. Uh, It didn't like it, the program. Listen, this is a pastor. I use they, their, and them as my preferred gender pronouns because I haven't really figured out how I want to have my body in the rest of my life. I'm a pastor. I'm a parent. I'm transgender. I am a work in progress. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I ain't going to that church. God made us in his image. We're beautiful as we are. That is for augmentations in my book. That's for breast implants. I've always told my wife, you want to get booby implants? I'm getting a four-foot dick. Because I'm against all that. That's that's the pastor they cover. That church, if it was open during COVID, would be okay. Planned Parenthood, people with smaller penises, some trans men, and some people who are intersex may prefer to use a latex or plastic glove or finger cot as a safe alternative to using a condom. Learn more. No, I'm I'm not going to. Vanderbilt student accused of racism targeted by classmates for 20 attending a 2018 North-South event. This one's out of order. This is what they sent to him. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds great. WVU paid LGBTQ students to make their own intersectionality training kit. Gave them a thousand bucks.
Jesus Christ. We'll get to that in a second. I just can't see the argument against gender integrating all sports and sorting into leagues based on ability. Elizabeth Bruning. Most people can. And I'm not putting this up there. Kellogg's. Gay cornflakes. It's it's back again. Uh, it literally is together with pride. Heart-shaped cereal for kids. We're directing it to kids. In fact, we're about to go to everything's racist. I'm, I'm going to put it up. It, it's kids. We're, we're just doing it for kids. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Black lives matter. 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 This is just a symbol of our commitment to ending racism. Racist. 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 What is that saying? Broken. 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 Broken system. That's a racist. If you grew up in this country, it's in you. Policing in this country evolved from slave patrols. Yeah, you saw how some of those good cops treat black men. Police killing black people. Defund the police for starters. Defund. Defund. Defund the police. You can't just arbitrarily disqualify a movie just because you found out who made it. But it colors my enjoyment. Knowing that the film was made by some white kid, albeit a seemingly woke one, I just got to question his intent in making art about my people. That's all. And if I'm going to... Kids. This is just for kids. All of this and this section is directed to kids. These are parents' responses to CRT. And you saw those bumpers of TV shows with all the stats that they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. One of them was NBC's racist new streaming comedy, not worth being friends with white people. Burn it down. 127 TV episodes pushed Black Lives Matter in the year since George Floyd's death. Yeah. But here are parents. 1619 Project is racist and has been debunked by actual historians of all political persuasion and has no business being taught in American school. Professor of History, Lander University. It's not a role of educators or schools or government to push a particular point of view on students. It is our job to provide a balanced curriculum and let students develop their own views on the subject material which are consistent with their own personal values and worldview. Pensacola State College. You can read them yourself. I'm going to blow them up.
I am fully in support of proposed priorities. I hold a PhD in biomedical science, and I teach in my introductory college-level biology course that there is no biological basis for racial categories. My students are overwhelmingly surprised by this information and often express that they wish they had learned about this earlier. I am a recently retired white, straight humanities professor with 51 years of service to one of the nation's premier HBCUs, and all the time I never felt like an outsider, nor was I treated as one by either student or college. In short, that virtually all black school was more colorblind than your proposed educational mandate. And it goes on. Teaching graduating college students arrive and ill-prepared to deal with critical thinking of facts. They come believing their personal facts are satisfactory substitute for well-established scientific facts. They're shocked when they fail exams, and then you can't fail them anymore because that guy is dated. So, yeah. Pennsylvania higher education governing body makes massive diversity, equity, inclusion move. Just basically going, just bending over to the fucking Marxists. UPenn Business School panel tells whites to use your privilege to help blacks. Trustees meeting disrupted by UNC student protesting for Nicole Hannah Jones. We will not be moved. We will not be moved. Chorus of We Shall Overcome breaks out a UNC Board of Trustee meeting. Our CHC NAACP, Chapel Hill NAACP, Carbo and NCP President Fierce Leader Donna Jones being interviewed and standing in solidarity with black women. We are members of CBC, stand in protest of the decision of supporting and honoring the university's original commitment to distinguish Hannah Jones. I can give you 1,619 reasons why she'd be tenured. No, she shouldn't. She wrote a bunch of lies. Then we find out Nicole Hannah Jones UNC offer letter lists 180,000 yearly salary. To teach people to hate each other. Mm. That's nice. That's really nice. Take a look at the University of Northern Ireland's new online program based in critical race. The University of Northern Iowa has created a six-week virtual program titled Cultivating Justice, a Quest Towards Racial Equality. And the first week includes stories of discrimination faced by members of the campus community. For instance, a podcast for one alumnus describes the dissonance of existing in a space between his Ghanaian ancestral roots and his American speech. Second week featured a video by a sophomore student to find terms like white trash. And saying good white people is bad. When I say good white people, typically I mean it's white liberal. When I mention liberal, I'm typically referring to someone who sees themselves wanting to end racism in our states. And everybody else is a piece of shit. Third week pointed students towards resources that explain system of oppression within policing, healthcare, and education. And fifth week, it participates were taught participants were taught how to behave in accordance with anti-racism pointed students towards ways to involve themselves in activism work. Sixth and final week of the program granted students their chance to rest and heal, a call that has been increasingly common in American college. Don't learn shit. Rest and heal. Rhode Island lawmakers are now doing an anti-CRT because a lot of people are doing CRT. American Airlines, proponents of CRT in our school. Uh, that's the wrong one, sorry. Uh, hey, American Airlines, why is this man saying he is a pilot for your airlines? He's consistently harassing minority females in Southlake and is now going after our students. 
And what is he doing? Dana Loesch, proponents of CRT in our school districts, are now doxing parents who criticize CRT. He did that. Now American Airlines is probably gone. A fire him. Gun a fire him. Thought and mother, the framing of this. I have a white male son and I need to teach him not to be awful, which clearly he will be because he's white and male. Hi there, my name is Sarah. This little cutie is my son Bennett. As you can see, my son is a white male. So here are some books that I bought to help prevent him from growing up to be awful. Starting out strong, we have C is for consent. Um, Pretty self-explanatory, but it's a picture book that goes into detail about consent with your body, with family. Along that same note, we have Will Ladybug Hug. Teaches the same kind of concept and in a more childish way about a ladybug who um, is hugging his friends. He even has one friend who doesn't like hugging. So this one is called Only For Me. Same concept, teaching kids about consent and things that feel comfortable with their body. Because I'm raising a feminist, we've got A is for Awesome, 23 Inspirational Women. Next, we have I Clean Like Daddy. There's even a page in the end where the whole family is cleaning together to show that it's not just mom and sister's job. Finally, we have Except When They Don't, a book about um, boys and girls liking whatever they want, regardless of their gender. That's child abuse. That's liberals. Like, yes, we need to teach kids in general not to hurt others. It just feels weird to tell them so young, well, you're especially going to be a bad person. It's inevitable. Matt Walsh, she's an emotionally unbalanced woman who's bigoted against her own child. I'm terrified for this kid. It's going to damage him in unspeakable ways. This kid needs a father. I'm going to go on a limb and say daddy's either gone or soon to be. He, she seems nice. My guess her husband spends a lot of time away from the house. Narrator, little did she know the awful doesn't fall too far from the tree. That's just horrible. Just horrible. But all of this is towards kids. It's what they do. They indoctrinate. They just indoctrinate, 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 indoctrinate. It's nonstop. It's what they do. Facebook fact checkers punish and censor debate on climate science. Town hall study. Doesn't matter what you say. They just shut you down. Facebook executive brags about increased censorship and so-called hate speech. Big tech company released its quarterly community standards enforcement report. Guy Rosen noted in the report that the first quarter, which included January through March 2021, the so-called hate speech on the platform continued to decrease. Report noted that the content is decided was hate speech consisted of 0.5%, 0.06% or 5 to 6 views per 10,000 views, according to Grab provided in the blog post. The prevalence of hate speech violations for July to September is 0.10 to 0.11, which would yield approximately 50% decrease. Not only has Facebook censored more content, but an increasing number of posts apparently caught by AI rather than human moderators. Advancement in AI has helped so much. Reports also provided more specifics on the content that Facebook censored in Q1. The platform said took action on 9.8 million pieces of organized hate content, up to 6.4 million in Q4. It also took action against 25.2 million pieces of hate speech content compared to 26.9 in Q4 2020. Facebook standards regarding that deemed hate speech tend to be wildly ill-applied. Andy NGO, editor-at-large of the Post Millennial, said that Facebook took down an article he posted about far-left extremists, has a history of violent extremism, racist online posts. Facebook also removed the pro-Israel Jerusalem prayer team page after the 
page was allegedly targeted by radical Islamic organizations. Even Facebook Oversight Board has called out the lack of transparency in the platform hate speech standards. The fact of the matter is, it hate speech to them is anything they don't agree with. That's what it's about. Education insanity, top 10 stories of the week. UVA med school under fire for expelling students who question microaggressions. Toronto school board requests Queen Victoria Public School change the name because the queen was a racist. UT Austin student planned graduation walkout over Eyes of Texas song. Upstate New York school district puts fourth graders in restorative justice circles. School booted from ADA discussion group after suggesting there are only two sexes. Ten-year-old boy obliterates school. South Bend school admin boots police from elementary school. Teacher caught on video berating vaccinated student for not wearing a mask. Oregon Department of Education drops $50,000 for more webinars by the racist Hannah Nicole Jones. Mom, I know you don't watch this, but that's why I won't go back. Virginia school district shells out nearly 50000 for survey crafted by race consultants. L.A. Mayor says new program giving $50 saving accounts to first graders is about racial justice. So only BIPOC get it. Racist threats in White Bear Lake were a hoax to call attention to racism. It was a black girl. Federal Civil Rights Agency canceled conservative speaker testimony because of aggressive tone. He was too aggressive. I'm going to blow this up. This this was all over the net this week. Then we have the New York Times. Utter propaganda. The New York Times reports on Republican-led states trying to ban how the role of slavery can be taught. I'm not even going to give it airtime. That is is 100% false. What most Americans, black, gay, Asian, are against is saying our country was founded in 1619 and based on slavery. Anybody who's read a fucking book knows the Declaration of Independence, they discussed slavery. The southern states wanted it. Why talk about facts? Why be factual? This is America shows us we don't deal with facts. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. 
Liz Cheney was asked about some of these restrictive voting laws that are being passed around the country and listen to what she said. How much culpability do Republican elites have for fertilizing the soil for the big lie? That is, that's not at all how I think about it. You won't be surprised to hear. I think Why? that when you look at things like voter fraud, it certainly exists. I will never understand the resistance, for example, to voter ID. I think you ought to have to show ID to go vote. There's a big difference between that and a president of the United States who loses an election after he tried to steal the election and refuses to concede. So Liz Cheney, who has refused to lie about the outcome of the election and lost her job because of it, says these new laws are all okay. Well, we've congrats. We've arrived at the part of our story when our hero, um, you know, (laughs) reminds her newfound friends on the left. Yep, she's still a Republican. And I think there is this tendency to look at any Republican who briefly or in a prolonged way disavows Trump, that they're somehow moderating or moving to the middle or or even the left. Um, And in fact, the rejection of Trump is that he wasn't conservative enough. And so, you know, I I don't think we should all be surprised when we watch Liz Cheney act like a Republican and sound like the Republicans around her. But to the, the, the voter fraud stuff, I mean, how much longer are we going to continue to perform this theatrical uh, nonsense of of recounts and um, and uh, audits? I mean, it feels at some point like. I don't know if I can say this, uh, it feels like masturbation, I'm sure it feels good to people in, you know, this wing of the party, but it does not actually end with anything. Did I not j- say just a couple weeks ago that eventually they're going to dump her like a fucking old ottoman on a street corner? That's your media. That's who they are. The moment you don't stay ideological pure, you're a piece of shit, which was the whole argument them and never Trumpers made about Liz Cheney, that she wasn't ideologically pure. She wasn't true to Trump. That's why people like me say changing 80 voting laws is pretty bad because we already have enough problem with people being able to vote multiple places. These are documented things. People know it. The media know it. They just wink at it. Because the left cheating, but the right, and to say HR one's good, but any voter ID that seventy percent of blacks believes okay, well, hmm. which brings me to NASCAR. Sweet God, what a clusterfuck! Ooh, the blood in my veins, oh. Ooh.
Bryce into McDowell. You can see how fast McDowell came into the picture. And I don't know if, if McDowell had an issue or he's same thing, visibility, and he's just trying to get checked up. But there were cars in front of McDowell, but none were slowed dramatically from what we could see there. I feel like we could get the Air Titans out there and probably help these guys restart, especially just on that straightaway. It's the only troublesome spot I see on the whole track. And it's not water standing. It's just, just like you said, Jeff, these cars that are three and four wide on these restarts in particular. Massive hit right there. It's Cole Custard. Man, he almost got him on his lid. That was a big hit. Unfortunate. Two big hits for Cole Custer. First hitting Mark Trux Jr., then that inside ball. Oh, oh we got another one. Is that the 19? Yep. Same oh, situation. Wow. Same right under him. Oh, and into the wall. It was the 40. Oh, my gosh. Cole Custer, nowhere to go there. Big fire. He had uh, a big impact. Luckily, seeing him get out of the race car right now because that was a big impact to that inside barrier. You can and our safety crew is there right away, but he just submarined the 19 of Martin Truex there. Yeah, I, I bet we're going to go back and see a very similar situation with Martin Truex Jr. and the visibility down that back straightaway. I think once the field gets strung out, Mike, I think I think the visibility will improve. But on these restarts, when there's cars stacked around wide. one yeah. another. And that's a great point. Look how far that uh, rear end is shoved forward uh, by Cole Custer's car. I thought that 19 of Truex was going to go upside down there as yep. hard as he got hit by Cole Custer. <laughs> so already an issue, I believe, here. Or maybe not. Uh, his hood's no, still no, up. not yet. Oh, oh somebody oh, checked the 34, up right McDowell there. Yep. checks up. Truex gets into him, and he's slowing down, and here comes Cole Custer through to the inside. Nowhere to go. Has no idea Mark Kirk Jr.'s had damage. Now that right, thank goodness there's a little bit of a safer barrier. Well, is that a That's safer a foam barrier? barrier. Yeah, it's a, a foam, foam wall. Barrier. Yes. Thank goodness that was there instead of just hitting that Armco barrier. Certainly a huge hit. We just heard from Cole Custer. From your perspective, I mean, how do you describe the racing and just that moment for you, Martin? Oh, well, I mean, I, the only way to describe it is you can't see anything. So, I mean, it's, um, you just mashing the gas and going through the gears on the backstretch praying that nobody's going to be there and all of a sudden I seen a taillight flash and it was already you know I was already in through him so I mean it's it happens that fast you know going that that fast and then my first thought was once I hit that guy just stay in the gas try to keep going because I knew they were coming from behind and literally next thing I know I get I get drilled so I mean um, there's just nothing you can do in those situations uh, Shame for Best Pro Tracker. All our all our guys and girls that work on these things so hard. Uh, sorry, we got we got behind there. Just uh, we got oil on our windshield at some point there, and um, I literally couldn't see anything. And, and I had to pit, and we got off off sequence. We were in the back there, and then it's you know it's really really hard to see back there. So it's uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's really hard to race like that if you're not in the top you know couple cars. And I'm not sure how we can make it easier or better, but. Um, Man, it's dangerous, and and you just go down the backstretch every lap praying there's nobody having an issue. You know, the praying there's not going to be a crash or a car stopped or whatever because I mean you're just wide open, can't see anything. Um, so unfortunately, uh, like I said, we just wrong place, wrong time. Sweet googly goo! What a horrible ending for my guy. I mean, that video is just atrocious. As a guy who used to drive a lot, 
and I couldn't stop. I had to drive in the rain, and ever since, I don't know, forever, I just don't stop. I keep going slow. It's only screwed me once when somebody cut me off and totaled our Jeep Cherokee, one of the old school nice ones, and my wife's favorite car. Um, man, I've had bad times at 60, 70, 160 miles an hour. That video of him driving, and then he turns around, he was going to get plowed. And he couldn't even stop, even though the windshield was over the front. Now, I blame McDowell because he's a dick face who started braking in the rain way outside the brake zone. Because you have the checkers, you know where the brake zone is if you have visibility problems. But he braked way early, so of course nobody could see it. And then Cole Custer, you know, he's a he's a rookie, but he he wasn't going to break. He's trying to make his passes. During that time, Martin Truex passed five fucking people because he had a good ride. But the saddest thing is it ruined the race because he got oil on his shit. Somebody was still driving, probably Blaney. Leaking oil all over the fucking place. It got on his window, and Rainex don't get rid of oil. It pretty much fucked. Now, I drove 11 years without windshield wipers. Yeah, I'm not too proud to say I did that. I did. I had a 67 Chevy, and anybody knows those old electric motors that, you know, kind of work, kind of don't. It was a Jim Bob system based off of, uh, it was supposed to be engine pressure, because that's the original setup. And then somebody had wired something. I don't care what I did. That engine blew three times. I quit buying it. So every Friday, I would put a serious copious coat or two of Rain-X, and that's how I made it. And I would drive through thunderstorms and everything because the Rain-X worse. But at 160 miles an hour and a, and a downpour, it's horrible. But why I bring it up, and I was going to play a um, BRC thing, but I'm going to end the show on this. I noticed NASCAR is one of those things that, you know, once again, I was a fan of Dale Sr., Dale Earnhardt Sr., and I kind of watched. I watched religiously for like three or four years, and I kind of backed off, and I'd catch a race when I was home, and I would keep up with him. You know, I'd follow whether he was winning or not, because he was just a badass. And then, of course, he died, and I quit watching NASCAR altogether. There wasn't social media back then. So you didn't really know a lot of fans. But I noticed something with NASCAR that's very interesting. Their fan base are a bunch of assholes. I mean, I I did a tweet like, what the fuck, fuck? Because we watch delayed. My wife doesn't like commercials. But I have a phone and it's blowing up. Because I have a NASCAR app and I know that this all happened. And it took 30 minutes to find out if he's okay because they never put anything out that he was okay. They never said anything about Martin Truex online. And that's how we we were an hour behind. And just random people, you stupid fuck, they're red flagged. They're not even driving, you stupid fucking asshole. And the one weekend I said, I thought this was really stupid. And this guy goes, I don't know why you fucking people want to be fans. You fucking assholes. Why do you even fucking watch this? And then I explain, hey, dude, it's been like 20 years to watch NASCAR. And I just think it's stupid compared to the old days. And then he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I guess, I guess you're right. And then you listen to the punditry. Like I, every once in a while, I'll flip to XM radio. 
or Sirius, and they have NASCAR radio. And what they were saying this weekend was so comical. It's almost what everything is if you're a sports fan, from football. To, like, I don't even watch football shit now because Aaron Rodgers was trying to recruit people, and there was a video that he just hates the front. He's just a bitch. I never liked him. He is a skilled quarterback. He is a, you know, godlike on the football field. Do I think we would have gone anywhere? No, we wouldn't have a Super Bowl for 2011. I understand that. But I never liked the guy. And I wasn't comparing him to Favre, but he's just a dick face. He's the kind of guy you're not going to have a beer with. He is a liberal prick that went to Berkeley, believes Berkeley. As I said for years, if you follow this podcast, he was going to more likely tell you about social justice and intersectionality than how the Packers are going to get better. And I don't believe a guy who gets a third of the fucking cap. I'll correct it from a half. It's a third of the cap. Gets to say who runs the front office. You're an athlete. You're not an owner. You want to be an owner, go buy your own fucking football team. And then you can say whoever the fuck it runs it. But you're a quarterback and you're under contract. Go fuck yourself. Because he didn't show up to OTAs. And he talked about some last night, and he's a bitch, so I don't even pay attention to it. So I, I, I know that sports is bad, but NASCAR punditry, to get back on point, because I went on a Rogers rant, fuck they hate their fans. They just hate their fans, and they hate people that haven't been with it since back when it was bootlegging. You know, if you don't think old school bootlegging, I try to listen to, you know, like Dale Jr.'s got a great podcast. The download. I listen to that. It's very good. But he's got another one, Bumper Door Clear or some bullshit. Every one of those guys is a fucking asshole. And they're people that have worked up from the ranks. Now they're spotters or crew chiefs. They work for Bubba. One of them does. And they're just assholes. And in this case, they're like, well, 93% of fans wanted to see him race in the rain. Now 93% of the fans don't want him racing in the rain. They're criticizing NASCAR, and they're trying to say they weren't part of the 93% who want him to race in the rain. That's not what people were saying. I was reading a lot of... There's a difference to driving in the rain and driving in a fucking torrential thunderstorm in a car with a windshield. Everybody wants to say Formula One and Indy. They don't have windshields. It's a big difference to be behind a little visor and the aerodynamics of a Formula One car and an Indy car where it's moving up and you don't, even if you get the rain, you can rain extra mask and it's blowing past because you have wind removing it as it's hitting. This is a windshield with like a 1940 67 Chevy Chicom window wiper that I don't fucking know what it was supposed to be doing. Half of them weren't even working. Kyle Bush won. My wife is just being incorrigible because she loves Bush and he's winning a lot. My guy's sucking buttermilk, even though he's won more than Bush, but he hasn't done good the last couple of weeks. And literally, his was stuck like this. And I was literally going, oh my God, there's no way I could drive like that with that motherfucker just like this. But he won our fucking race in the JV League and then was doing great in that, but then he pitted, didn't know it was going to be canceled. So he kind of got fucked and he ended up finishing 10th when he was in third place. But... None of the wipers are working. There's not enough rain X to deal with that. And it's a windshield. And the car is not made to reduce the eviction of water. The rooster tails and sprays were insane. 
And I, I was going to play Kevin Harvick, who is a veteran guy, and he said that's the most dangerous thing he ever saw. And the most dangerous thing, the most stupidest thing I've ever done in a race car. He was right. Martin Truex Jr. almost got murdered on a track. That dude hit him at 160 miles an hour. It doesn't look like much down there, but if you listen to the in-car camera, wow. It's like an RPG hit his shit. And he went airborne. He went 10 feet in the fucking air. So, yeah, that was a stupid-ass race. I just wanted to cover it. I know this is a political podcast, and I cover a little football and the Ducks and all that shit, which, you know, I probably won't be covering the Packers next year because I'm about done with Green Bay. I don't even know if I want to watch anymore. It's just so much. I mean, every year it's just drama. What's the fucking point, man? I want to. I I go to sports to get away from life. And, yeah, my life ain't that bad right now. I got a really good life. I'm very lucky. You know, I, I am a lucky person. I'm not saying I'm not. But I still like to escape. And you can't escape when your team is more known for drama like it's the Real Housewives of Green Bay than actually playing motherfucking football. So, anyway, what did we learned today? Well, the left is a bunch of hypocrites. And they're going to get away with promoting violence against Jews conservatives, defunding the police, and they're just going to walk away with it because our fucking media is garbage. Just 100% grade A garbage. If our media was an air freshener, it would be garbage truck juice. The stuff that runs out as it's driving in front of you and you pray to God it doesn't get on your fucking car. That's who they are because they're going to let them get away with all this. All of it. And I know I gave 16 minutes of my show to Ben Shapiro. But why not? He's the only one speaking factually about Israel. And of those out there who may have the tendency to be liberal or never Trumpers, well, he's a Jew. Well, you know what? You guys say that fucking Bernie Sanders is a Jew, yet he's not a practicing Jew. He's never been Jewish. He's just from his descent. And I know I rise up on a lot of this, but I truly believe in my heart of hearts, with my face, not being anti-Semitic, I'm just saying, if you look at my grandparents, I believe at some time we were Jewish. Everybody in the family believes it. I believe we just stopped practicing and became Christians. But it's a country surrounded by murdering bastards. And I never thought in a time in my life, with 9-11, all the terrorism, I I, I got the left back then was supporting Al-Qaeda. Because they, they do that all the time. They're always on the wrong side of history. But actually promoting and establishing it's okay to go out and beat Jews, which is what Omar Tlaib Bush, Corey type, AOC were doing, Corey Booker, the entire BDS movement is anti-Semitic. It's on our campuses, it's being taught to our kids, 
And either we're going to be a country that stands that you can believe what you want, including Islam, and not be tortured and beaten and chased down by thugs on the street, or we're not. And the most shocking thing about it, once again, it took a week to hit any press and for a president to condemn it. But as I stand before you, or actually sit in a chair before you, if it was violence against Christian, it still wouldn't be talked about. Because there's only one other religion that's below Judaism on the we-give-a-fuck scale of the left and media, and that's Christianity, where it's okay to kill Christians. We don't even report it. We don't report the thousands of Christians killed every year across the world. It's okay. We don't care. And the only reason why they spoke of it is because a large majority of Democrats are Jews. Which still astounds me. Because I don't care how much you hate Trump. I don't care how much you like Biden. There's no way in hell you can say from 2014 to now... The media covers the Israeli-Hamas conflicts without a sheer amount of anti-Semitic bias. They blame Israel. You heard Andrea Mitchell go, oh, I'm not going to, I don't think it really was. I didn't make it up, rando who didn't leave your name. In 2014, They knew it was happening, and they did not report it. So, yes, the AP knew they are in the building this time. And I even played a soundbite of them being told, we're going to bomb the shit out of you, and they don't give a fuck. They want their kids murdered because that's how they win. And a soundbite of some Palestinian ambassador walking around saying, "Er, er, we know it and we want it because we're winning the war. A public opinion as liberal media outlets, which is all of them, side with Hamas, a terrorist organization that hasn't had an election since 2015. I even saw liberals trying to compare Netanyahu to that. They've had election dipshits. A terrorist organization has been in charge of the West Bank. There are no Jews there. Israel doesn't own the land. They gave it back. And your current president of the United States is financing it. I don't give a fuck what you... Don't you play that Planned Parenthood bullshit on me that the money's walled off and it's... No! That money paid for fucking rockets to try to kill Jewish people. And now the Democratic Party doesn't even want to finance the replenishment of the dome. They want a dome for the people launching rockets so they can protect themselves and continue to launch rockets. And and I didn't even cover in here that the ceasefire lasted and they were already launching rockets as the ceasefire was going in effect. So yeah, it's on them. We spent four years, private pile, on Trump's rhetoric and violence while Bernie supporters were shooting up baseball diamonds and the brown shirts of the Democratic Party who are now going to have their flag flown all around the globe from our embassies were burning, looting, raping, pillaging, and killing motherfuckers and then getting released.
But yeah, January 6th, Never Trumpers. We really need that. That's very, very important. We need to get to the bottom of it. Although we're not going to get to the bottom how Antifa's financed. We're not going to get to the bottom how they were so coordinated. We're not even going to get to the bottom to the testimony by a non-biased individual who was there and witnessed the riot at the Capitol and said it was more than Trumpers. It just was. I'm on the other side of the camp now. Get a disinterested third party to investigate January 6th. And we'll find out a lot of people knew about it, including Nancy Pelosi, who purposely, with browser, downsized the fucking police reaction without weapons so it could happen, so they could use it to win Georgia and impeach a president. For rhetoric, that's okay as long as you have a D behind your name. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please share with your family and friends. And go to FOPPodcast.com to get this episode and the previous episode and a link to SoundCloud and Rumble for all the other episodes. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And tune back in for, what did I end up saying we're going to do? It's Saturday. Is that the 29th? I think it's my mouse just shuts off because it's Bluetooth. And I don't understand why. 29, year of our Lord May, or 29 May, year of our Lord 2021. Until then, thank you for listening and you take care. 